Hi, I'm Anna McEwen, and this is The Epic Narrative. And now, my dad, Bob Switzer. All right. I know, I know. Last last week, we, well, we're just going to keep unpacking the story of Bathsheba. And again, I know, I probably say this every week. I haven't listened back to my recordings, so this could probably get old, but I just I just know it's tough to do this story uh, justice in the layers that it involves, and so here we go. We're going to keep on layering things up. So we we talked about the people that were involved in this. When David, you know, is out on the rooftop, looking around the city, uh, observing life. Uh, Things are going really well everywhere in his life. Everywhere. I mean, if you remember, like we had, uh, I think at the end of chapter 8, right, we see that several of David's sons are priests. Uh, So... So I'm guessing even in this in this moment, like his family life is going well. He doesn't he hasn't been a great father, but like I, I believe that that the mothers of these of these kids influenced uh, their lives, and that's what I I'll spend a little bit more time about that later. But they had access to the worship tent, they had access to the priests, they had access to uh, the prophet Nathan. There was a lot of positive male influences available to them, and their father was their father. And culturally, he was the king. So they had an expectation of of not necessarily having a great intera- uh, daily interaction with, with dad. But I do know what it's like to have sons that are successful and in ministry. I, I actually have, I have four kids, and all of them have ministry. Uh, two of them are pastors, paid positions, um, and the other two are involved in ministry that that involves either volunteering at church uh, with worship and arts, and uh, or involved in ministry in the urban community, uh, homelessness, abuse. Uh, mission work, uh, like city mission type of thing. So I do know that, 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 you know, like I am proud of my children when I look out from my quote rooftop and I observe their lives. It's like, wow, these kids are honestly amazing. I, I know not every parent gets this kind of joy, gets this kind of blessing when they look out off, off the rooftop, so to speak, and, and, and get the overview it's not that our, our family life is perfect or that we all don't, you know, periodically need to work through things. We do. But that's the thing. Like, we do work through them. And, man, I just, I love, I love. And I love my my children. And I love where they are and how they handle life. I just do. They're amazing kids. So I kind of get a little bit of what David was probably feeling. He's, is it is. is Military, thank you. <laughs> Woo! Uh, I did have my coffee this morning too. I don't know. I don't know why I couldn't get military out of my head, but 
are, are in my head. So his military exploits are going well. His diplomacy is going well. His uh, his re- the 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 worship the slash the religious influence the the cultural influence of God is permeating. The trade and marketing is going outstanding. The building, physical building of the city on the two uh, hilltops inside the walls uh, is going great. It's it, his family's going well. So at some level, he's got to be thinking. He's not. He's not thinking. I guess is really <laughs> like I said last time. Like. Sin never always makes sense when you're in it. It just never makes sense from the outside. So it's tough to look at this and make sense of what David's doing. We can only guess at what was going on. Everything's going well. Nothing's going bad. Maybe he's he's just super optimistic. You know, David is an artist. He feels things deeply. He's he, he's a he's a worshiper. So he. He uh, he understands sensation. He he is sensitive to we'll call it the spirit, the atmosphere around him. And I think it, it his his closeness with God. He his closeness with God, his ability to hear from God is so good that that his thoughts. The thoughts he has, he believes God's 100% behind them. And as I've, uh, I know I, again, I know I covered in, in other podcasts, like the the ability to hear God is is really a, a, a wonderful thing to develop. And one of the first things that I, that I often have to tell people when they're learning to hear from God is that God's voice internally sounds a lot like your voice. Jesus said, you know, when 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 he rep, as as a representation of what man could be on earth when they're fully aware of God, he's like, I everything I say, God God says, everything I do, God tells me to do. Like it's so, it's such a connection, it's such an internal uh, interaction at all times, an awareness of the presence of God in you that your voice sounds like His voice. It it's just a natural thing. So when David looks out over his city and and this woman who's bathing captures his eye, and again, it's not like she's lying buck naked uh, like like some uh, I don't know porn or 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 movie. I guess movies now, not even porn anymore. See a naked woman in a bathtub. You would it's it's not necessarily like that this was ceremonial uh there that involved washcloths and towels and and she's cleansing herself from her period and he watches this and he feels this rush of desire and internally i think he believes this is god's will i at some level i think he does this because people love to bring god into their sin i i Oh my gosh, over and over and over again. People love to blame, not blame, they just, they bring him along. Especially if they're used to being around God. If they're, you know, if they're used to being in church, if they're Christians, if they come from a Christian family. I've heard, I've heard God involved in, in, you know, I, uh, uh, 
people believing that God told them to take drugs, people told them, uh, believe God told them to commit adultery, uh, you know, sleep with their girlfriends, boyfriends, steal money from work, uh, you know, what, whatever. Like, it's just, it's just crazy to me, but it's so true. It happens over and over and over again. And I believe, I really believe part of his deception, part of the, part of the enemy's ability to, to deceive is to say, God wants you to do this. Like, this is God. He's so good. Remember, the enemy is so good at deception. And what is he looking to do? The enemy is looking to destroy what David is building because he knows the impact it's going to have on the nations. The enemy is about to lose his momentum in controlling the world. David is that man, and David is being successful at it. And and the enemy knows that, that God is with him. And he knows that this whole cultural shift in, in this nation is going to draw more people to God. Like there is there is a spiritual end to this. There is a there is a battle line that's been drawn. There is there is constant back and forth. And he uh, the enemy is just looking for any opportunity to deceive. And he's not, again, not happy till everyone's dead. So Anything he can do to destroy relationship, anything he can do to destroy momentum, anything he can do to destroy reputation, this is what he's after. And he sees an opportunity because he takes what would be a generally common thing, not daily, but a common thing for for David to see, a naked woman on a rooftop below his palace. And he, and he finds the opportunity to make it seem like this is God. I, I really, I, obviously, I really believe that. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I get it. And there are, you know, there, <laughs> there might be preachers uh, listening to this. There may be those of you that have heard great messages, great messages on the story of Bathsheba and David. And, and you're like, no, Bob, that's not the way it is. That's fine. Honestly, that's fine. Feel free. Always feel free to write me uh, and and disagree. I, I have no problem with it. I really don't. I just really know in my personal experience, many times people that are about to do something this crazy think God told them to. And I think David stood up there and he felt a rush of desire. And he stepped back and thought, oh, I think, I think. God wants me to be with her. And I know part of that deception is that God does want you to have pleasure. He does want you to have a good life. Not uh, not that you'll never never be in bad circumstances. That's not what I'm saying. This is not, um, you know, uh, 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 I'm not uh, theologically, I'm not trying to push, name it, claim it type of mindset, but I do believe that God wants you to to have pleasure and to have joy. I believe that's that's part of the atmosphere of heaven. It's part of the way that we bring heaven to earth is to is to be in joyful places and be at peace and and have hope. These are all things that heaven is and bringing heaven to earth is just uh is just something that he does. So so David feels this rush, this desire to be with 
this woman, because when he looked at her, she was beautiful. And he thought, I need to be with her. And and I think the enemy just stepped right in and made it made the made the thought, planted the seed. God wants you to be happy. He does want me to be happy. Wow, this this could be God's will. So when he finds out all the people that are that are involved in her life, right? He he finds out that it's Bathsheba, she's married to Uriah the Hittite. So you got Ahithophel, her grandfather, who has served David from the caves. He was not a warrior, but he was incredibly wise. And his counsel was honest. You know, it was always delivered in a way that David would listen. This is this is so valuable when you have a counselor, <clears throat> somebody who gives you wisdom and advice. It needs to be somebody who can deliver that wisdom in a manner that you hear it. A lot of leaders may may find smart people to you know to bring on a team, but the smart people don't deliver things in a way that the that the leader can hear it. And sometimes that has to do with timing. It has to do with with tone. It has to do with uh, uh, a, a place. That's the other thing. I, I was trying to think of a T word. But where you where you deliver it, when you deliver it, and how you deliver it, all plays play into wisdom. There's lots of people who are like, well, I just speak my mind. I just let it fly. I just and and yeah, you do. And and what that will do is it'll get you to a certain point, but you won't be able to get to that place where you are drawn into people who are in higher positions, people that really uh, make big time decisions because your your approach doesn't carry the wisdom that's needed in order to to deliver uh, the counsel in such a way that the that the leader can hear it and Ahithophel could deliver it in a way that David heard it and remember David David is especially in the caves David has his life is so complicated. And I'm sure many times because of his warrior heart, part of his heart, I mean, I know he's a complicated man, but the warrior part in him probably would often just want to end things or destroy things or blow things up to go back to just, you know, just him trying to trying to avoid Saul. There's there's lots of ways that lots of ways, different ways that David could have went. And we we kind of touched on that during the podcast. But again, just to be reminded, like every choice that David made could have gone a different direction and it could have put into motion things that would have changed the outcome. Not that I think it would have changed God's plan. I don't think God's sovereignty is is that narrow. I think it I think his sovereignty covers all possibilities. But David kept choosing the 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 choices that David kept making kept him on this path that put him in in experience and in and in the timing that would give him the greatest power and authority to change and shift the culture of an entire nation. And Ahithophel was part of that, and David knew that. David David back well in the future here in chapter sixteen is where he says. His counsel is like being an oracle of God. 
Ahithophel would have been at David's side probably almost every day. At some point during the day, he would check in with David. He would walk by David. He would walk in on David. He would he would be invited into different meetings. David, they had almost daily interaction. He was almost like a prophet and a priest, but more practical and probably more available because the priest had things to do and the prophet had things to do outside of the palace because they were influencing the nation on behalf of David. They were bringing that culture to the people. And Ahithophel would have been more more like family, more every day. And Ahithophel's son, Elam, this is Bathsheba's father, he was with David in the wilderness. And he worked his way up from a warrior to one of David's mighty men. By the time David became king, he was one of 30 mighty men. He was one who in second and second Samuel chapter 23, where you kind of get the highlight reel. He was one of the three men that brought David water from Bethlehem when the Philistines were occupying Bethlehem. And David and his and his men were sitting outside and David was like, man, what I wouldn't give to drink from that well, that would be, oh, the water of my childhood. And I think, you know, we all understand, <clears throat> we all understand there's something with, you know, there's some beverage. It doesn't have to be water, but sometimes it is, right? You, you can go to different people, people's houses, even if the water is filtered, it just doesn't, it tastes different, right? It doesn't quite satisfy the way certain water does. There's some people will, like they'll drink bottled water, but if they can get their bottled water, like there's a difference. Sometimes we've had speakers, guest speakers that come to our church or to conferences, and I'm often involved in setting things up. I like doing that. I like hosting them, so to speak, uh, making sure that they are comfortable, that the green room is set up in such a way. And I often will ask, is there a type of water that you like? Because many times when you're when you're out on the road, there's certain things that just make you feel more comfortable and the flavor of certain water will do that. I have my favorite. Now, I, I have the one that I generally drink when it comes to bottled, bottled water because it's readily available and it's generally pretty well priced. But if I can get, if I can get my choice, like I love Dasani water. I don't know why. I don't know why. I generally drink uh, another type, but man, Dasani water, whatever minerals they put in there or reverse osmosis or whatever they do to it, I like it. And I will, I will, you know, uh, periodically treat myself, albeit <laughs> like at Home Depot, they sell it in the, you know, by the cash register. And it's like an, a larger bottle than just 12 ounces or 16 ounces or whatever. And I'll buy a bottle and I literally will drink the whole bottle before I get to my car because it just tastes so good. Anyways, Elam, <laughs> well, Bob, you really went off on that story. I know because it's water and I like water. Oh, man. Uh, so Elam was one of the three guys that went and got David this water from Bethlehem. And David ended up not drinking it. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord. And so Elam was a part of that. Like he he and David had he had shared that high risk uh deal, like literally 
high risk. Like he could have died getting water, which is insane. But that's how much his loyalty and love for David was. Like, please keep that in mind. Because I do think it plays into David sleeping with Bathsheba. The loyalty and love of Ahithophel was incredibly intense. The loyalty and faithfulness and love of Elam was was also super intense. As best we can tell, Elam was probably about eight years younger than David. So although David was no longer in the battlefield, Elam was. He was he was uh, probably one of the commanders at this point because he was one of the thirty mighty men, and the mighty men all had men that were under them that they were training and they would lead into battle. <clears throat> Sorry, I know I I need I actually need water. You'd think after a hundred and forty ounces of it this morning, I would I wouldn't need it. It's crazy. Another thing about water, right? The more you drink, the more you, your body wants it. It craves it. It's awesome. But maybe uh, maybe soon I'll take a break and go get some. But I want to get through the next one, which is Uriah the Hittite. Right? He finds out from the servants, which are also involved in this story, that she's Bathsheba, daughter of Elam, wife of Uriah the Hittite. So what is Uriah the Hittite? He's He's a foreigner, a former enemy who converted to uh, worshiping Yahweh, to becoming a, you know, a Hebrew. And I'm guessing that David had a part of his conversion. It would, I mean, his, his background, like how he got involved with David, I wonder. But there's, there's something within me that says there was, there was an observation. Uriah was either a you know, he probably was a part of several battles, but there was something in the observation of Uriah when he would fight the Israelites, when he fought David's men. There was something about David that and, and his men that made Uriah go, they fight for something more. They're not just trying to, def- you know, selfishly keep themselves alive or defend some piece of, of rock that's carved like whatever. They do something more, and he converted so there's there's not only a physical commitment to David in that he is one of David's uh, warriors and commanders, probably overseeing about 500 men. Uriah the Hittite was was also spiritually connected and dedicated to um, to David because David was part of his conversion. David was David was. The warrior, uh, not warrior, well, he was a warrior, but David was not only just his military general and leader and inspiration, David was also his worship leader. David was was the the overall pastor, like he saw David as his, as his spiritual shepherd as well as his military strategist. So his dedication is what made him a great warrior. He pushed himself. He pushed himself to become a great warrior, to fight for David, to fight for God. And I think in a lot of ways, it would have been easy for Uriah to see David as God 
and and that happens to some people when they interact with their pastors, right? They see their pastors as the voice of God. They see their their pastors as the wisdom of God, and they man they they hold their pastors in such high esteem. Now, sometimes pastors foster that because they're egomaniacs and want to control them and the ability to manipulate people. But sometimes people just put it on the pastor and there's not much they can do to stop them. So, all, you know, all three of them are part of the information that David gets from his servant when he finds out from the attendant as to who he's who he saw on the rooftop. I don't think David is standing on the rooftop staring at her. I think when he sends the attendant, I don't think he stays there because she's got to finish up her bath and and he's got to go find information. And I think David's like, okay, I'm not gonna you know, like I don't want to get caught staring. I just want to wait. The anticipation, the excitement, the the adrenaline is starting to rush. He's he's getting turned on if you want to put it that way this is the 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 newness of it the beauty of her the the anticipation of of who she might be and where she might be from and he's got all of this going on in his mind and then he finds out who she is and and he knows now all the all the characters that are involved in her life now Uriah was probably in his 30s and Bathsheba was probably in her late uh, teens, like 19, 20 years old, which would not have been an unusual uh, age difference between a husband and wife in that culture. That is, uh, yeah. So David would have been generally aware of her anyway. All five would have seen each other uh, periodically. Uh, the men probably had much more contact with David in comparison but you know Bathsheba had probably been married for a couple years uh, to Uriah at this time, and um, you know so so who knows? Maybe he'd been king for three or four or five years at this point. Um, David uh, probably would have been aware of her but not necessarily known her. So I you know I don't think looking from his from his palace rooftop would he have been like, "Oh, I know that girl." No. Uh not he would not have been that aware of her. But there is a chance he was at the wedding though. Uh which again, doesn't mean he necessarily saw her the and if he did it wouldn't have really registered uh because that's that's the culture of their of the type of wedding ceremonies they had. But one thing that Bathsheba would have been very aware of is the uh, admiration and love that David had for the nation, that David had for God, and that her her father, right, his love for David the the exploits that she heard from him regarding the things that they've done the stories the dedication that her father had to David the dedication that her grandfather had to David the way that they would have um described what David was trying to do the the culture that he was developing for the nation the way that the nation was going to 
have a bigger purpose than just getting rich in it and controlling. This was not a nation that was going to be built on trying to control other nations. This was a nation that was going to be built to honor God and let the nations be drawn to God through what they did. It's a huge philosophical difference between what David was developing for the nation of Israel and what every other king, dictator, tyrant uh, would have been developing anywhere else, even even on smaller scales like large families or or tribes or villages. They weren't out for themselves. They were out to glorify God, and God was bringing favor to the nation. The blessings that they were getting, the wealth that was coming into the nation, the the contracts and the commitments and the victories were all being dedicated back to God because they believed God was the reason for their existence. It gave them a higher purpose. And the grandfather and the father would have made Bathsheba aware of this. Not that she would have been involved in daily conversations, but she would have been aware of the incredible love and their desire to protect David and protect his vision. And although Uriah was a foreigner, he was also a warrior and a trusted, you know, brother of the battlefield. Elam would have been very aware of Uriah. Uriah would have had to work his way up through the ranks, especially as a foreigner, to prove his commitment to the to the nation, but this was proven to him. And I'm guessing she probably had seen Uriah a few times, you know, and he was a foreigner. So I'm guessing he had, you know, a little uh, exotic look to him. But she would have seen him or heard of him from her father's stories. She might have seen him in the in the tabernacle worshiping. Not that uh, I think at that time, I don't know if men and women worshipped at the same time or in the same place, but there would have been an awareness of his love for David, his love for the palace, her love, his love for worship and for God. The fact that he was dedicated, you know, uh, as a foreigner, that he had um, given his life to Yahweh. So I'm I'm thinking that his passions were so similar to that of her father that she felt incredible connection to him and loyalty to him and and love for him when they when they got together. This is a this is a big deal. So hang on for a second. All right, thanks. I'm back. I not that well, I did pause the recording, so you probably don't even know, but I was gone for a few minutes because I had to rearrange my notes because he sends for her. So David hears her name. He knows all she's connected to. All of this is going on internally. He's thinking, I really believe part of what he's thinking is God's in this. I think he wants me to be with her. <clears throat> she had the unusual beauty. Let's go uh, again. The beauty that word beauty is is all manner of beauty and what it what it means is not only did she look good but she she carried with her a spirit of beauty a spirit of gentleness of of kindness she had a glow about her she had a something that would draw you in when you looked at her it uh it talks about a wealth of character i mean it's it's a deep it's a deep thing and that's what i mean when david looked at her 
his spirit was aroused, not just in a sexual manner, but he he noticed something in her that God had put there. Do you, like this is this is so key. He saw in her the identity and character that God had put in her. It means he really looked at her. This is huge because so many people that choose to get involved sexually with people that, that they shouldn't often are attracted to things that God's put in them. They're often attracted or, or, be, or have an awareness of the identity and purpose and direction that God's put in them. And they think this must be, this must be the one. This must be God's will because what they're hearing is from God and they interpret it to mean I now must sleep with this person. Sexually, we, we're compatible. We, we, are, we are meant to be together. And so many people that get wrapped up in this, in this internal ability to see the identity and purpose of, of their, the, you know, the person they're looking at, they, they just misinterpret it. The enemy takes it and he twists it just a little bit because the arousal, the excitement internally is not, is not supposed to be for their sexual desire or connection. It's meant to be, I can, I am aware of who God made you to be. I can propel you toward what God created you to become. I can now protect what God has put in there because I know what it is. I can now become a part of your journey in helping you become all that God's designed you to be. And what he saw in Bathsheba meant that she was designed to be a woman of wisdom, a woman of, of character, a woman of integrity, a woman that would influence nations in the right direction. And, and although he saw this in her and he, he, he drew out of that, out of her, this spiritual connection, he misinterpreted it. And I believe he did so because of, of the enemy. He just, he just twisted it a little bit. And David's like, oh, she's the one. She's the one I'm to be with. All my other wives don't matter. All my other concubines don't matter. Those are all just contractual agreements that I had to make in order to move forward with trade and and peace and all that stuff. I want this woman. It's so intense that, uh, you know, I've heard because I listened to a lot of messages on, on David and most messages on David uh, that are, you know, are, are about David and Bathsheba. Some people have even gone to say, you know, Michael, David's first wife was Saul's choice for David. Abigail was, uh, was David's choice, but Bathsheba was God's choice. I, and I'm, I'm floored by that mindset. I'm just, that just blows my mind. I do not believe that in any way David was meant to be with Bathsheba. And I know some are saying, well, yeah, but she gave birth to Solomon, and Solomon, da, 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 da. I'm sorry. This is not God's will. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just not. Did David, did God, did, does God's goodness, is, is it, you know, does it have the ability to overcome all circumstances? Yes. Did God's goodness, overcome this one yes why didn't god stop this choice because god loves freedom 
and he is going to let you choose. And I think David greatly misinterpreted the beauty that he saw in Bathsheba. David let his imagination about all that she was. I mean, I mean, all that she was. She's, she is a character. And I'll bring this up again and again as we move forward, I have no doubt. Because she has a character that's so amazing that he he could sense it from probably a hundred yards away. There was something in the movement of her of her arms, and there was something in the way that she stood. There was a grace, a, uh, there was an elegance, there was a there was a integrity, there was a beauty that was so deep and so intense. And that integrity didn't go away. That beauty, that 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 depth of beauty didn't disappear. Because her, her son, sorry, <laughs> there was a lot going on in my head because I almost like skipped way ahead, but her son Solomon, when he becomes king, he gives his mother a seat next to him on the throne. Like that's the intensity of the wisdom and beauty that she carried. And David sensed that when he saw her. And he interpreted that to mean She's the one, I need to be with her. So he sees all of this working out in his mind, right? The fantasy. This is all going to work out. Both of us are going to be happy. Uh, she can be, you know, I can, I can sleep with her. Everything's going to work out great. And I have no doubt, I have no doubt, because this happens all the time. Guys, <laughs> Guys, at least I'll go through the guy part, right? The guys will think, well, I can cheat or I can sleep with, I can do this, and even if I get caught. Now, some guys do this and they don't see anything wrong with it, so they're not even thinking along this line. But if a guy knows, okay, if my wife finds out I'm going to be in big trouble, they already have a lie. Or maybe even my girlfriend. If my girlfriend finds out that I'm sleeping with her best friend once in a while, okay, but this is what I'll tell her. And sometimes they'll they'll use you know God at that point. Well, I think God wanted us together. Like to every everything worked out so well. It was so easy to get away with. How you know how could this not be God's will? It was so like everybody was gone. The house was empty. No one was going to find out. Okay, so you eventually found out, but you know you didn't know at the time. It didn't hurt us then. We've had such a good time since then. It only happened you know once, or it's only you know it's only once in a while, or you know. Or they blame, you know, their spouse, well, you're not available or you're not nice to me or, you know, we haven't been compatible. We've never been sexually compatible. So I think, you know, we both need to go find other people, whatever. Like guys, guys have a 50 different ways to explain what they're, what they're going to do when they know what they're going to do is wrong. I think David knew what he was desiring was wrong. I think the first thing he did was he thought he, he he lied to himself, deceived himself into thinking that God was a part of it. And then I think he deceived himself into thinking that even if he was caught, it was still going to work out. Because the her husband was had dedicated his life to David. Her father had dedicated his life to David. I don't think he looked at this as a one-night fling for him. 
I think he looked at her and thought, she's going to, I'm going to make her a mistress. So he sends for her and it says he took her. So, so that whole concept of sends, sending for her and taking her means that he captured her. He seized her, her, he carried her off. He, he lied with her to, to obtain, to gather, to fall upon. This was, again, it's a very layered, intense phrase or word that's used here. It makes it sound like it's a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But the word, that phrasing is is way more than that. That's why I don't think it was, in his mind, a one-night fling. He didn't know how it would work out on a practical level, but he believed deep inside that she was the one for him and he was going to, to be with her. There was something that was going to work out. She was at, you know, uh, physically, she was in the, the peak time of pregnancy, which meant all of her, all of her eggs were in place. So, so there it is, right? Uh, again, I'm sorry. Let me read, right? So, so David sends messengers to get her. She came to him. He slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Now, I don't know what David thought after a month. But her, uh, you know, her participation in this story, or or should I say the, the way the story describes her, her lack of response in the record, the, the fact that uh, the, 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 the recording of this story involves none of her voice is an indication in the tradition of storytelling within the Hebrew world. It's an indication that she was innocent of responsibility when it came to being with David. That he took full advantage of her of her uh, role as a as a woman in that culture. He took advantage of his role as warrior, king, worshiper, leader, admired uh, and and uh, dedicated to the protection of the nation. He took advantage of the fact that her father and her husband had had committed their lives to the protection of the vision and the and the life of David. He took advantage of all of that and he seized her. He captured her. He he wrapped her up. He took her. He obtained her. He gathered her in. He fell upon her. I don't I don't care how, you know, how many ways you want to layer it. He forced himself on her, no matter how passionately he felt about it. You could easily call this rape. And I think David felt amazing afterwards. I think he thought, wow, this is, this was, this was amazing. And then it says she went back home. And again, the way the, the, this little few verses are written it looks like it's a it's like you know in and out but the the concept again in those fra- in the phrasing of that he slept with her he she came to him and he slept with her he sent for her and she slept with him 
it's it this was this was a this was involved a lot more and he probably even said things to her like i don't know you know how this how i missed you i don't know i don't know how i didn't see you before uh, i've i you know you're so beautiful you're so amazing i want to be with you we'll figure this out we'll be together i love you I just, I just think he poured all that, and given, given as well the way that it ends, not that the story really ends because she, she ends up, you know, a part of the storyline for a long time. But I just think he, he poured out a ton of passionate things to her while they, while he was lying with her, while he was having sex with her. I think he held her there in the bed for hours. And again, all the attendants, I don't know how many were normally around him, but they would have all known that she was there. They would have all known that he lied with her, that he had sex with her. The servants would have known. The attendants would have known. Those that escorted her to and from the palace would have known. And yet David's like, I don't care. It'll, it is all going to work out. Because that's what fantasy does. Fantasy says it'll all work out. Everything will be fine. This is this is amazing. This was an amazing night. David was all in. But again, no matter I don't think how no matter how you slice it, it was rape. But she bore no responsibility for it. She was not at fault in taking a bath on the roof. She was not being seductive. She was being coerced. She was being manipulated and her very identity and purpose that God had put in her was being, was being stolen. Now, I believe, I believe God restored that, but the enemy wanted to steal what this woman was because that's what he loves to do. And he wanted to steal the the uh, some of the purpose and identity of David. He wanted to destroy David's relationship with some of his closest friends and amazing counselors. There's a lot set in motion in this story. And we will continue with it next week. <laughs> we will, because uh, the story continues. And I know a lot of you know the story, right? But... The story continues, and it doesn't get less complicated. It gets way more complicated, as sin usually does. So have a great week. <laughs> Keep yourself. I know. I feel that. I think I'm ending this on a on a negative note. Like, this is bad. Like, we just raped this amazing woman, and David's an absolute jerk. I know. <laughs> but that's part of telling the epic, right? Sometimes you end up in a bad spot, and that's where we're ending this week. So have a good week. I'll talk to you again soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.